Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. The FT. In this week's show, we look at the third quarter results from ExxonMobil and Royal Dutch Shell, UK offshore wind investment, and potential oil fines in the North Falklands Basin. You're listening to Energy Weekly with me, Sylvia Pfeiffer. Joining me in the studio today is Fiona Harvey, our environment correspondent, Chris Thompson from our UK companies desk, and we have Sheila McNulty, our US energy correspondent, on the line from Houston. Royal Dutch Shell, Europe's largest oil company, announced a, sub- a substantial rebound in profits for the third quarter and also rising production. Um, the company is setting a bit of a trend in the industry at the moment because ExxonMobil followed suit very swiftly afterwards, also announcing a sharp rise in third quarter profits. Uh, we've got Sheila on the line here from Houston. Um, now, let's start the, this week's show by talking about those fantastic results. Sheila, I just wondered if you can sort of tell us what, what the reason is. is. Is it just because of high oil and gas prices? And, and were they a surprise or not? During the quarter, Exxon incorporated the results of XTO Energy, the shale gas producer it recently acquired, and that gave it quite a boost in production. That in, that in addition to the ramping up of assets in Qatar. Exxon seems, seems to make a habit of, of, of reporting um, very good results, um, and I just wondered, were these results high, better than expected by investors in, in the States or, or not? They were better than expected, but everybody's waiting for the conference call to actually pick through them. Um, there, It wasn't clear from Exxon's original reporting how much XTO contributed and so people are eager to find out what exactly, when you, when you strip that out, what exactly XTO accounted for and um, how that how meaningful that will be going forward. And have they said much about their investment in, in shale gas? Because obviously that's made a, a huge um, difference in the U.S. in terms of um, America's natural gas production. Were they sort of latecomers to that game at all in the States? They were late in the sense that BP and Shell and some others had already been moving in uh, in a small way. But Exxon came in in a big way by buying a shale producer, a uh, rather big one, XTO Energy. So it was late, but it's made up for it with uh, quite a big purchase. I mean, Exxon's share price hasn't, hasn't performed that well since they made the purchase. I mean, were there sort of some concerns amongst investors that they might have overpaid for the asset? The concern is that maybe they won't get the benefit of buying XTO because the benefit really is in the staff, and there's some question as to whether XTO staff will all stay on because XTO as a U.S. uh, independent is run differently than Exxon. Exxon is very conservative, slow-moving, and so on, and XTO uh, would have been fast-moving, eager to, to quickly apply new technologies and try new things to get production up. Um, so it's just two different cultures. So Exxon has said it's going to run XTO separately and try to keep things intact, but that's been the concern. Thanks very much, Sheila. Let's move on to, to UK offshore wind investment. Also in the news yesterday um, that the world's biggest wind company, Vestas, is cutting 3,000 jobs. With me here to talk about this um, is Fiona. Um, now, Fiona, I just wondered how much of a surprise that is um, or the announcement was yesterday. Well, Vestas uh, cutting uh, 3,000 jobs is is pretty bad news. Um, And 
In terms of being a surprise, well, kind of, because uh, I don't think anyone was really expecting them to make such a, a a big cut um, but Vestas uh, has been having some troubles lately and also uh, the, there have been broader troubles um, across uh, parts of the wind industry um, Vestas of course is the world's biggest maker of wind turbines and it faces uh, very stiff competition uh, from a lot of other uh, multinationals and from a growing number of competitors in China, for instance. What Vesta said uh, was that uh, it was too expensive uh, to carry on making wind turbines uh, at its plants, particularly in Denmark uh, and in Sweden. Um, it said that it could invest in other places, such as uh, China, uh, where it would be, be cheaper. Um, so... It looks like that looks bad for the, the European wind industry, particularly as you know Denmark. Uh, wind is such a huge industry in Denmark. Denmark was always the pioneer uh, in this field. Uh, that's why the, the biggest wind company in the world is Danish. So it's a huge blow to national pride there. Uh, and you've got to wonder really what the political response will be in Denmark. Maybe there will be you know efforts to try and keep these jobs in some way. And has, has the company benefited at all from sort of government subsidies for wind? I just wondered, given that they're one of the sort of yeah. manufacturers. Yeah, I mean, you know, when the sort of wind industry uh, started to take off in, in Denmark, uh, which is, you know, you're going back sort of uh, 20 odd years now, um, it did have to be, you know, heavily subsidised. Obviously, uh, you know, over time, uh, the amount of subsidies needed uh, has diminished as, you know, uh, the, the technology has matured. Um, but still, uh, you know, wind companies do benefit um, from subsidies, you know, across Europe uh, and in, in other parts of the world as well. Uh, it's just that Vestas is saying it's still very expensive to employ people um, in Denmark and make things there. And I guess it's interesting at the moment because um, there's a lot of debate at the moment about natural gas being quite cheap and, and, and companies should be investing in natural gas. And I just wondered whether that rise in natural gas is going to be bad news for renewables. Um, you know, why don't governments invest in natural gas and, and stop investing in renewables, at least providing subsidies for renewables if that is available? The thing is, though, that in terms of emissions and con countries that have uh, an emissions target, that isn't really uh, a long-term solution for them to invest uh, in gas and not renewables. reason for that is that if you build a gas-fired power station today, you'll be expecting that to carry on burning gas for the, about the next 50 years. You know, th these are very, you know, uh, big plants, long-term investments. You know, you, they have long life cycles. Um, in 50 years' time, uh, we will need you know, much sooner than then, in fact, um, by about sort of, you know, the, the 2020s, uh, we will have to have decarbonized uh, the electricity sector uh, if we want to meet our greenhouse gas emissions targets. That's true, you know, across Europe. Um, and so if uh, you build natural gas uh, power stations now, then you won't be able to do that. And, and what are investors sort of saying about these kinds of stocks? Because we were looking at this earlier that Enel, um, which is obviously listing its renewables power business, um, in, in, the, in the coming days they ended up having to lower their price range for the IPO of the business uh, as, as a way of trying to attract more investor appetite. Yes, Enel has had to cut its price from, I think, is it 1.8 euros to uh, 1.6. Yeah, that does reflect a degree of unease uh, in the market. I mean, perhaps Enel was being a bit overambitious in its original pricing as well. Um, but the problem has been that investment in wind has uh, fallen really and 
the reason for that is is that you know that they're, they're just it's so difficult to get financing uh, it's so difficult to get project finance so difficult to get banks to lend you the money to do these big projects and although you know the fundamentals for wind um, are still uh, looking quite good in terms of you know a lot of governments have targets uh, most governments have subsidies some of those subsidies are now uh, looking a bit shakier I mean for instance in in Spain, uh, where there was a very heavily heavily subsidised uh, wind sector. And also, looking uh, more broadly across the world, uh, the, the big in- investment is happening in China at the moment. Aren't they building one of the world's largest um, offshore wind farms or wind, 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 wind plants? They are. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, you know, there's a staggering number uh, of wind farms going up uh, across China, onshore, uh, and as you've just mentioned, offshore. Offshore wind actually is, is uh, interesting uh, in itself at the moment because uh, we've, we've just seen a, a massive uh, investment in offshore wind in the UK. And what's happened there is that three big wind turbine makers, General Electric, Siemens and uh, Gamisa, which is uh, Spanish, those uh, three companies are committing to, to invest. It's about uh, it's more than three, £300 million between them over the next few years, creating more than 3,000 jobs directly and many more indirectly in the UK. And that's uh, a massive vote of confidence in the UK's uh, offshore wind sector. Thank you very much. We'll keep looking at that sector, obviously, as, as we go on. And let's move on to our final topic of today, all exploration in the North Falklands Basin. There's been quite a lot of chat about this. We've got some of the sort of ENP companies floated um, in London, Rock Hopper Exploration, Desire Petroleum, um, are all looking for oil and gas in the, in the Falklands there. Um, and Chris, I just wondered um, how much success have these companies actually had? It's been a mixed record so far. Most of them have not had much success, though, of course, it's still very early days. We've only had 10 wells drilled in the Falklands and six of those were in the early 1990s by some of the majors before they pulled out and only four recently. There's been one commercial discovery which was Rockhopper and uh, recently they had to, alas for them and their share price, revise down their estimates from 220 million barrels to 170 million barrels they estimate lie under Uh, the seabed in in that particular field. That's still very much commercially viable. Um, Nevertheless, all the uh, explorers there who have seen their uh, share prices um, rocket to one extent or another since since they since they started operating there, but particularly since they got their rigs there last year, they have suffered varying blows uh, uh, over the last uh, few weeks. Firstly, with Rockhopper's revision down uh, of its estimated reserves at its commercial prospect, but also with desire in uh, the Rachel prospect, also in the North Falklands Basin. Uh, in which um, Rockhopper has a stake, Desire drilled a duff well. Um, of course, it, 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 this is a long-term play, so it, it's early days, and I think people, uh, particularly perhaps uh, retail investors, of, of which these companies are a favourite, uh, tend to forget that, that the most frequent result to, to drilling uh, wells is a duff well. So, um, you know, fines may lie ahead, but, but mixed at the moment. And there's been something going on with their share price in the past 24 hours. I mean, that sort of almost doubled yesterday. Can you sort of explain a little bit why, why that happened? It did. It resembles the oil coming out from a spigot. Uh, yesterday it was up or within the first few hours of opening over 70% and that's adjusted itself today somewhat. That's after you know only a few days ago it was 60% down after it announced it had drilled this duff well in the North Falklands. That was 60% down from an October um, high. It's difficult. There was some rumours again driven mostly by the retail investment boards that desire 
uh, was going to be the subject of a takeover. Uh, the company has said those uh, are, are rumors. That's just that, and has said they haven't. They're not in any talks or received any offer whatsoever. Right. And and are investors still still backing these companies? I know Rock Hopper raised some money, didn't they, in the summer? I mean, was was that oversubscribed that that, that fundraising? It was. They they raised uh, recently two hundred million. Actually, it was in it was in the wake of their revision down. So so that was kind of a vote of confidence, as if to kind of end the uncertainty. They they went out and then raised two hundred million pounds very easily through a share placement. And at the same time, you've got this kind of um, rather romantic uh, uh, British narrative that the companies feed into of you know these plucky British companies setting sail from Blighty in order to seek their fortunes in hostile waters. You're meaning the Argentinian connection. Indeed. Um, The Ilas Malvinas, uh, as the uh, Argentines uh, uh, refer to them, they are hotly contested uh, at the highest political levels. Um, Indeed, the the Argentine press uh, follow the trials and tribulations of of the British companies operating in the Falklands uh, almost as diligently as as investors do in London. And their kind of failure is crowed upon and, and, and and uh, victory um, so far, just rock hoppers, uh, discovery of oil is kind of fretted. It feeds into Argentina's um, obviously de- defeat of Britain in the Falklands War in the 80s. Uh, uh, also just a wider sense of grievance that it's not fair um, having these British sheep farmers on, on islands that are historically Argentine. So, so even if some of these companies do um, find large quantities of oil, you think there might be some sort of um, political battle going on about who, who whose oil that actually is? There certainly is, although, you know, for the moment, um, Christine Kirchner, the, the president of Argentina, recently referred to the British, uh, tweeted that they were pirates. So, so, so that gives an indication of the strength of the feeling on the Argentine side. There, it's always been disputed. I, I don't think necessarily that, that will, uh, that's already been fed into, into the share price. Um, obviously, exporting oil to Argentina uh, from these British companies would be out of the question. So they would export it elsewhere. A number of analysts point out that, uh, you know, from the Falklands to to the Gulf of Mexico is about the same distance as from the the North Sea to the Gulf of Mexico. More uh, worryingly for some is is the logistics. They're in the southern Atlantic, ancient mariner territory, very uh, rough, very unpredictable. But um, at least in the North Falklands, the the conditions aren't too different from the central North Sea. So it is kind of well-trodden territory uh, against a, a, a dicey geopolitical background. All right. Thanks very much. We'll keep watching those those share prices with interest. Um, and that's all we have time for today. All that's left is for me to thank my guests in the studio, Chris Thompson, Fiona Harvey and Sheila McNulty in Houston. Energy Weekly was produced by LJ Filotrani. I'm Sylvia Pfeiffer. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 